Adventure is out there, and so is controversy. Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Kyle Skinner, we are back talking sad moments. I hope you brought your tissue box because we're getting down to some pretty sad stuff here. These are the saddest of the sad. We've decided that we're in the elite eight. And uh, to help us get through the rest of this, we've brought back Kyle Madsen. Kyle, welcome back to Mouse Madness. Yeah, thanks, guys. I had such a good time last week, and I'm very excited to be back. I was a little afraid. I had like conversations with my girlfriend. I'm like, I don't know if they'll ask me back. I don't know how good I was. But you guys asked me to come back, and I appreciate the hell out of it because it was a blast. Have you recovered from last week's uh, some some disappointing picks, some surprises? Have you had the moment to kind of sit on it and really think about what what we've done here? Yeah, I rewatched Coco and resented you guys the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I've, I I I think I'm good to go, and I'm I've become very comfortable looking over the bracket at, at the at the at the picks you guys have to make. Great. Well, before we hop into the bracket, Chris. As always, it is time to talk a little spoonful of sugar. So this week, what are you rocking? Are we going back to the pinstripes? No, no. Uh, no more pinstripes. But I do have an old favorite uh, that I had on the Broadway bracket. I kind of like almost walked away from the first round with my tail between my legs. Yeah. Yeah. I came in like guns blazing with Brave and like was feeling really inspired, but just like ran into the brick wall. That is when she loved me. So, you know, I've, I'm feeling the Scandinavian Gaelic influence. We're back. So I, got, I got the Einstock Icelandic white ale back, and yeah, it makes go. me want to swing a hammer. <laughs> what do you got, it, Kyle? Does it, does it make you want to touch the sky? It make, definitely makes me want to touch the sky. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, last week I had the hippopotamitai, and this week I am flipping on over to beer. So I have straight out of Revision Brewing Company from Sparks, oh. Nevada. I am rocking the Disco Ninja. This is a hazy IPA that is the hazy IPA, ladies and gentlemen. Like, this is a delicious beer. Um, Disco Ninja, super fun name. Uh, I think I needed to really balance the deepness that we are getting into with the saddest Pixar with a little, little hazy freshness. So I've gone beer this week. Kyle, what is your spoonful of sugar this time? So last week I was drinking a, uh, Barbera and I called it Pixar Barbera. Uh, my, I'm, I'm drinking wine again this week just because it's the easiest to just have a bottle ready to rip. Um, I'm drinking pre-pod this time, so um, my my girlfriend suggested Whiny the Pooh, and that's what I'm... It's not Pixar, but I thought wow. it was way better. I thought it was way better than Pixar Barra, <laughs> and so Whiny the Pooh is 1,000%. That, all like, credit to my all wow. credit to my girlfriend for that one. That's so good. That's a top-tier yeah. nickname for a human being. <laughs> yeah. Whiny the Pooh! <laughs> That's our demographic this week. 
our demographic oh this week it was just God. full of whiny the poos whiners all right well we are back talking saddest pixar moments bracketed by people complaining about the new paint scheme on cinderella's castle at the magic kingdom in florida so let's go ahead and get back into uh, the thick of the bracket here and we're talking about our number one seed, When She Loved Me, from Toy Story 2 versus Barley hugging, being reunited with his lost father at the end of Onward. Um, Kyle, I think I'm going to give you the floor again to start this one out. Okay, so I gushed a little bit about When She Loved Me um, in the first episode. I, like, this... This scene is sad. The song is sad. I just also really, really like the song. And I think what I really like about it is that this song came in the late 90s. So this isn't a current day uh, hit. It's it's from the late 90s. And to have Sarah McLaughlin sing about another woman, obviously people in the late 90s aren't going to assume that this is a lgbtq pro song at all they're probably more likely to be confused by the message that's coming from it i really enjoy that this is the angle that they decided to take on it because not only does it strictly and directly apply to jesse and emily's relationship and the moments that they had together but it also is like it opens the door for this to be relatable to you with any relationship that you have in your life. When she loved me means that it could be like you and a friend and then you guys went your separate ways because you grew up or somebody went to college or you moved cities. It could be literally your lover, your partner and how that relationship broke down. It instills these moments within you that you watch Jesse go through that you then apply to yourself and it kind of brings out memories that maybe you have or scenarios that you're very afraid of. You're very afraid of growing apart or you have grown apart and that's hitting you again. I think that's what Pixar wanted from this moment. I think they needed you to feel sympathetic and empathetic with Jesse as a new character from this Uh, in this universe that you've grown to love and that has been super successful, they needed you to connect to them like you did to Woody, to Buzz, to Rex, to Ham. So I think in the kind of scheme of this movie and this scene, it's a very smart turn for Pixar. And I think it was well executed. It told a story. It's kind of like up. This could have been a short. I'm glad it wasn't because I think that we would have walked out of the short being like, what was the point of that? We just saw a toy get abandoned and now I feel awful. But I think it also just, it it obviously gives depth to Jesse. And you see that in the decision making that happens throughout Toy Story 2 because you see that Jesse's very hesitant to leave or very hesitant to like do what others are doing because she knows what will happen if she stays she's going to go to tokyo she doesn't want to go to andy and then risk being abandoned by andy later on so it it kind of gives that depth to a character and and urgency to woody's motives to to leave that place so 
overall the scene just does so much for the movie but the scene's also so powerful and sad you relate it to yourself you feel awful for jesse question yes do they ever articulate in toy story 2 like the idea that it's better to be loved for a moment than to never be loved at all doesn't come to mind that they strictly call I that don't out. think so but I think that's kind of what they're getting at with mm-hmm. her coming around to Andy yeah and I'm and maybe it's just because it's been a while um since I've seen the full mo- movie but I feel like that's a line or a theme that Woody would have said to Jesse like at least you had her it's or a line least... someone said at some point in <clears throat> something yes I mean absolutely. I believe Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black <laughs> Says it's better to have loved than lost than to never to have loved at all. Right. So it's where that idea originated, Men in Black, 1998. Absolutely. (laughs) For sure. The same year that this came out. So immediately they ripped it out and said, we're running with it. Um, Yes, that's definitely a great point because what I think might be kind of a emotion and a experience that we all go through as humans is the need and the want and the longing of being wanted, appreciated, loved by somebody else. Um, and having that companionship, having that partnership with somebody else. And so instantly this scene does that tells you it in two and a half minutes. It's very powerful. Um, on the other side, It's Barley finally meeting his dad again, uh, having to go through the trauma twice. Honestly, like, yes, that's very sad. To me, when I watched it in theaters, like, the saddest part to me was, like, Ian's never met his dad, and he really wanted to, and now he's obstructed from doing that. And it almost would have been better if he, Barley came back and was like, hey, I met dad, and, like, he wants me to tell you he loves you, and sorry that he couldn't meet you but like what makes us sad is like ian's that close that he he watches it happen and like he sees dad show up he sees barley hug him he sees this moment he like slit a rock falls out from under him and he slides down so he's missing some of it and this is all he's ever wanted and then he sees dad disappear and barley's kind of like body language says how depressed barley is about that once again so he's also witnessing his brother go through this trauma it's heavy it's a heavy like familial theme um i brought this up in the on a in our onward mini episode that like this sibling connection is one that pixar hasn't really explored and it's just as strong as the uh, child parent dynamic and they really just dig into that in this movie and it's sad um, Chris we are a podcast of biases and here my bias is leaning heavily towards the number one seed and just everything it did to me I'm moving when she loved me Jesse's abandonment scene on past onwards reuniting of dad with Barley yeah, this one's not very close for me at all. Uh, Kyle Matson shouted it out at the end of the last episode. 
this barley thing feels a little high, but it's definitely, the, I think there's some recency bias here where uh, it's something that a lot of people have experienced recently. Um, while not the same rewatchability value as some of the other Pixar movies. So, um, yeah, that might explain why it's so high, but this this is not memorable. I'm pretty much out on everything onward. Uh, it's skated by the first round. You were um, offward. Uh, <laughs> oh. Offward. There it I'm is. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm outward. I'm outward. <laughs> I'll go ahead and echo what I said last episode. I think this is definitely not the strongest contribution to a story, but it's still a very, very good one. Um, the When She Loved Me sequence. So, um, well done. Expertly done. Top seed for a reason. Easy advance here. Kyle Madsen, parting words for Barley. Yeah, the When She Loved Me scene, like I said, is one of those ones that's so heavy and so weighty that... I'm skipping it when I watch it because it brings about an emotion that is like Barley hugging his dad is is obviously sad and has a very emotional hit to it. But the Jesse scene, there's a finality to that relationship with Emily that that just kind of weighs on you. Even even by Toy Story 4 when you see Jesse like that clicks in the back of your mind of, oh yeah, that's the trauma that led to everything this character is about. So it moves on for me because it's it it it's something that I that I watched in the theater when the movie came out when I was very young, and that 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 feeling has just never really left me. And so that that is why I have Jesse and and when she loved me moving on. Yeah, that's great logic, and um, that kind of leads into our next conversation. The number four seed, Andy, giving away his toys versus the number five seed, Coral's death. Um, If you want to talk about traumatic experiences that stay with a character for a long time, Coral's death is near the top of that list. Um, Marlon is the way he is. Nemo is the way he is because of this barracuda attack on coral and her colony of egg babies. Um, So it's a tragic moment and also an extremely important scene in the movie. And uh, finding Nemo won our best Pixar movie bracket. Uh, Marlon and Dory won our best dynamic duo bracket. I mean, this movie is a juggernaut on the mouse madness podcast. Um, it's going up against Andy giving away his toys. You guys talked at length about this moment in the last episode, bringing the like teenage thing to the table uh, the first time you saw it. Obviously, this is a moment that sat on multiple levels, but I really see Andy giving away his toys as a fresh start, and there's a lot of happiness in that moment for me. I think of all a lot of the moments on this bracket have like happy associations with it. But I think this Andy giving away his toys is the happiest of all of these moments. Like they get an entirely new life with a kid who wants to play with them all day long. So while it's sad to see like a a separation between Andy and the toys, this relationship we've seen for decades, I think the toys are in a better place. 
Wow. Marlin. 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 Smokes. <laughs> Marlin and Nemo are in a much worse place after the death of Coral. So I don't know the the Coral dying scene to me for some reason it's not perfect. I don't know if it's just too short or like what it is. It feels a little bit mellow, but I mean, maybe it's supposed to feel that way. Um, Regardless, I'm going Coral's death here. I'm upset because I really, 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 really want to dive into Coral's death. But it's pointless at this point because I'm also moving it on in this round. Oh, brutal. And, uh, I, it's just the <laughs> the emotional feeling I have in both of these moments is are one in the same, but also completely different. I feel sad. I feel sad that Andy's giving his away his toys and that this is supposed to be the end of the Toy Story saga. But it's also a moment of... Uh, you said it the best last episode. It's a bow. You're putting a bow on it. It is. It's it's a moment of just putting a bow on everything. And you're you come out of it happy that it ended this way. Because you almost just saw the toys burn to death. So now you see that they're being brought to a loving home. Andy gets to go to college. Chris, you brought up a a, a point that just made me make a, a parallel that the toys have been fighting for Andy's attention and love for three movies, three straight movies. And now they've gone somewhere where they know they're going to be loved no matter what. Andy is that toxic ex to these toys throughout this entire saga. Wow. Andy, Andy does not care about these toys. Andy, okay, let me say I love the Toy Story movies. I love them. I think they're phenomenal. But Andy never act like we why do we care about Andy? We shouldn't. We care about the toys. And why do the toys care about Andy? Because Andy is this figure of like he he plays with us and he's the one we're supposed to love. And everyone else is like, go get you someone new. <laughs> Well, Go that's get, what there's someone that's better what, out there. I was there. not saying that. Okay, there's someone so, better out there for you. That's oh why. Oh my god, breakups that, are good. Kyle Skinner, write it down. That's <laughs> why Toy Story Four is so annoyingly bad. Is because Toy Story One and Two deal with your kid's gonna grow up one day and you're gonna have no one, and then Toy right. Story Three goes, you can have someone forever. You could never not have a kid. And then Toy Story 4 goes, kids are an evil institution. You need to be on your independent toys. <laughs> um, but here, like, I will dive into it deeply in the next round. But Coral's death is devastating um, and just so sad. Much sadder than... Andy finally getting rid of his toys and being able to go off to college in peace. Kyle, you're obviously not happy with us, but what what really irks you about Toy Story 3 not moving on here? Name your favorite coral moment. <laughs> I'll wait. When she gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, dude. 
We don't know Coral at all. We have no connection to that character. Our connection to her is through Nemo and Marlin. And we see the relationship they have and the bond they have. And it's the typical dad and, and resentful son. Yeah, yeah father relationship that's the only connection we have really to coral and even then like i don't think the resentful son to his dad relationship is exclusive to to the mom being eaten by a barracuda also uh top two moment for barracudas ever (laughs) an animal i forget exists until uh i hear the heart song barracuda (laughs) or watch or watch finding nemo so this is a huge or watch legends of the hidden temple oh that's a good one legends or or watch um, the american hockey league team san jose barracuda right yeah okay so i think that's the mount rushmore of barracuda (laughs) that we just (laughs) that we just named so that that to me is why yeah that moment stinks and it's again I, i i brought this up last week where we talked about how um, a, a death at the beginning of the movie is different than a death at the end of a movie or a sad moment at the beginning is different than a sad moment at the end. And for me, because we don't know anything about Coral, if we had gotten even five minutes of Nemo being so close to his mom, because Nemo's ultimately like, I know we follow Marlin a lot, but Nemo is a character at least I personally care the most about. If we'd gotten five minutes or pick Marlin, seeing those two interact the death i think would have been more effective so that that is why i had andy and and his toys and i i mentioned last week if you haven't listened please do because it's gonna frame the whole point i'm making here (laughs) why andy and his toys being separated is such a brutal sad moment for me because i still have things that i connect to my childhood things that i've kept whether it's toys whether it's stuffed animals whether it's shirts Things that I connect to my childhood is like, hey, I'm almost 30, but these moments made me. And we're we're led to believe that those that those toys helped make Andy. And that separation is is awful to deal with. I completely get it for sure. I think that I have some points in my arsenal for the next round that might change your mind a little bit about Coral dying, but um okay okay but we'll we'll wait till we get there we'll wait till we get there my personal bracket coral uh (laughs) made it out of the first round did not make it out of the second round because i don't know anything about coral all right fair totally fair she's not great with barracudas (laughs) (laughs) uh characteristics of coral one clownfish two bad fighter (laughs) 40 grade 40 grade fish fighter (laughs) (laughs) all right let's hop over to the other side we're talking the number two ellie's death from the movie up versus the number we're back on it the number number 10 the toys nearly being incinerated in toy story 3 what's crazy chris is that uh up until last episode I didn't give a single thought to an incinerator being at a kindergarten. You got to be careful, (laughs) man. I feel like there's a law that outlaws incinerators within a certain proximity to daycares, kindergartners, preschools. Not a single thought was put into, like, why is there fire near preschool? So also it's by thank you for too. So yeah, I mean, so thank you for bringing that to my attention. 
so yeah, toys get incinerated at this kindergarten, I guess. Um, I still want to just really hammer home how well Pixar portrayed the feeling of doom in the eyes of these toys in the incinerator. So the moment specifically that I brought up last episode that I'm going to bring up again because it was so powerful is when Jesse is absolutely freaking out because that's what Jesse does. When Jesse sees fear or when Jesse sees uh, a dissonance between what should be happening, which is them surviving, she freaks out. She freaks out because she was abandoned, as we've just been talking about. She feels like this is the worst case scenario for her. So this worst case, she's not going to do well with. So she looks to Buzz, who they have this thing that we it's like, a it's a Bert and Mary type of thing where it's yeah, like, it is a Bert and Mary type. They thing. are, but <laughs> they can't be because of Disney. But. but they want to, but we're not going to let them. Dude, that's so that's so spot on. Like in twenty, like in twenty twenty, Bert and Mary definitely like, <laughs> absolutely for sure. Yeah. Okay. So she looks to Buzz for comfort and like, what are we gonna do? Like, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to die and never get to see you again. Turns around, looks at Buzz. Buzz looks at her with this expression that just says. We're in it together. I'm sorry it has to be like this, but hold my hand and it's going to be okay. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And Jesse looks at him with still panic in her eyes and slowly becomes accepting and holds his hand. That creates the ripple effect of everyone holding their hand. And then for some reason, Woody is still like scrambling, but doesn't realize anybody else is not scrambling and looks up and sees everyone's holding their hands. Woody looks at Buzz, which is the connection that we should all really care about because this is the the thread that puts this entire saga together. And they do a little nod like it's it's the so long partner before the so long partner. And. It is so depressing. And I don't quite remember how I felt in theater watching this, whether I got tricked into believing, like, here we go, or if I was just like, this is really, really sad and it sucks, but I know it's not going to end like this. Regardless, it's really, really sad. And any thought of, like, death to me is really depressing and scary. So, like, to see it, on a screen is not fun um ellie and carl's relationship and how it builds throughout up at the beginning is so real because their whole thing that we get brought into is like they're saving money to go on this adventure right so their whole life spent together they're working they put their change away to go on this adventure but life doesn't work that way and they show you that life throws some curveballs at you and you have to adapt and they do so they're constantly breaking into this adventure fund because of flat tires because of different things and what i really appreciate about this and what makes it so like this entire thing so tragic is the trials that they go through specifically with like trying to have a kit 
And so the moment where she's pregnant and then you see her in a hospital, like sobbing, kids don't, kids won't know what that means. But like adults are like, man, that is heartbreaking because they're, they're these two very motivated people that want to experience life. And part of experiencing life to them is having a kid to experience with and they find out that they can't. And that's devastating. So they eventually rebound and they're going to live life together, go on this adventure. They keep running into things that they can't allow. And then Ellie gets sick. And I, I think we all know once Ellie like stumbles running up the hill, like it's not looking good for Ellie if she can't make it up that hill. So you're preparing for the worst. But when it happens and you see Carl at the funeral, it's just like, they had such a good life of being each other's partners and best friends and always there for each other through all of these hardships that it's so sad because we're all going to end up like Carl one day or somebody we love is going to end up like Carl one day. I think that in this matchup here, that relationship twist just hits a lot closer to home and is a lot more relatable than like facing impending doom as sad as that is reflecting on life and and a timeline of life in a five minute span and seeing the end and seeing how it could all end up and then also kind of force reflecting on yourself like i should really be a carl i should really be like supportive through everything and understanding through everything and seeing that he him and Ellie don't get the W at the end of the day is like heartbreaking. So for me, Ellie's death, which is really just the culmination of Ellie and Carl's relationship to me is moving on past the toys being incinerated. It's really sad. And I know we are not very Pixar compatible, but one of the things that we do agree on is that up is a very middle of the pack Pixar movie and the version of Up I want to see is the first 15 minutes of the movie, but feature length. Like, I want to see the saga exactly. of Carl and Ellie. I don't care about Charles Muntz or Aztec Falls or whatever it's called. Uh, or the dogs or the Boy Scouts. Don't care about any of that stuff. None of that works for me. But, like, those, that intro, is it, it really works. So the thing that I've noticed with a lot of these moments is they can fall into one of two camps. They are sad because you bring your personal experiences to the viewing and it affects you because it touches nerves. Or it's sad because the movie's done a great job like creating this environment and these characters and these relationships. Unfortunately... This Toy Story 3 moment where the toys are incinerated, there's not a whole lot for you to like identify with in that moment. So the best moments, they, they really do both. Like It's good on its own, but also good because it's relatable. Like The toys being incinerated, it's like, it's sad because I like them, but like I don't... Like it's not emotionally connecting with me, which is what, what Pixar does best, right? Um... Ellie's death, it's at the beginning of the movie, which I don't like about it. I don't think Ellie's death could win this bracket. But in this moment, I think it does a good job bringing 
both things to the table. Like it creates a self-contained sadness. Mm-hmm. And it's also one where, like you said, you can be a parent and be like, I know what it's like to have, you know, fertility issues, or I know what it's like to lose someone who's really close to me. I know what it's like to have to give up my dreams, blah, 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 blah. So uh, for this matchup, I'm also going to go with Ellie's death uh, with the hopes that someday someone makes a different version of Up that is just (laughs) Carl and Ellie that starts with him meeting her and ends with her dying or ends with him going up in the in the house with the balloons. Yeah. Uh, So Kyle Madsen, (laughs) sorry, we iced another Toy Story 3 moment here. (laughs) Yeah. So give me the like. Uh, I just got done watching on Hulu, The Great. Um, give me the like six to ten episode Hulu series of Carl and Ali. Ooh, and I will man. watch that. Or Ooh. Disney Plus, I guess. We have Disney yes. Plus now. So give me that. Like, yes. I don't need, I don't want two hours. I want, because it looked like their interactions were incredible. And seeing the kind of curmudgeon that Carl is and seeing the kind of free spirit that Ellie is. I want to see them interact on a day-to-day personal basis. Give me that for six hours. Yeah. Over over six, like I said, six, ten episodes, and, and, and I'll be good. So I agree with that there. I don't appreciate the Doug and Russell shade that, that was in Chris's answer. <laughs> I, I feel like that was unwarranted. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's the thing. Had the toys actually been incinerated... <laughs> Now we're looking at a really devastating, sad moment. Yeah, I would have loved it. I would have absolutely loved that more than anything. Yeah, like that is a that is a like that is a holy uh, holy smokes! What just happened? Twist, sad, punch you in the gut, knee you in the face. You're knocked out. Good luck. Toy Story's done, and the toys are dead. Moment (laughs) that would have registered on the sad scale. Yeah. But what ends up happening is they bring a callback to Toy Story with ooh the claw and everybody's saved. And yeah. it's like, uh, can I do a Star Wars thing? Please. Absolutely. We do Game of Thrones, Star Wars. Okay, excellent. Whatever you want. Okay, so if you have not seen uh uh The Rise of Skywalker yet, fast forward. But it's like in The Rise of Skywalker when you see Chewbacca quote unquote die. Right. And the impact of that moment is so profound that it's like, holy crud, the stakes are as high as they've ever been in Star Wars. And then three minutes and 18 seconds later or whatever it is, (laughs) just kidding, Chewbacca's fine, everything you just saw doesn't matter, screw you. Like, that's how that moment felt to me from a sadness standpoint. It's great because... Even rewatching it, uh, you guys do such a great job of putting together clips to to uh, to offer reminders. But even in a rewatch, it was like it brought a smile to my face seeing the aliens. It's three of them operating the machine. It's the callback to Toy Story one. It's the nostalgia. The day is saved. Awesome, you love it. So the the impact doesn't stick. Sure. Whereas Ellie's death, the ripple effect of that spans throughout the movie. And so that's why it moves on for me. And I, I said it last week. It's ripping your heart out and then punching you in the face with it. It it hurts. And then you experience the 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 pain from that through Carl throughout the entire movie. So Ellie's death moves on with 
pretty pretty relative ease here for me. I'm going to continue your what if the toys go into the incinerator, the plastic is recycled, and is turned into a plastic spork. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how Forky is born. (laughs) Like a phoenix from the ashes. That would, dude, give me two hours of Forky as recycled Woody. And I mean, even if one, okay, and, and I guess all the toys dying there isn't a realistic stake, but give me the claw scooping of everybody but Rex or Sling. <laughs> or like oh, whoa, No whoa, and, and I know yeah. and I know that I know that sounds crazy, but give me some stakes there. Sure, yeah. That stick and I think that moment has a much more lasting impact. Throw Wheezy where, in there. I don't give a f about Wheezy. Right. <laughs> so so the claw scoops up everybody. But but Rex can't hold on with his dumb T-Rex arm, and he falls out. And where Rex is accepting his death, and everybody who is now saved, and you're going to get to continue their story, they all have to then deal with, in that moment, Rex's death. That, to me, is a devastating moment. Whereas the thing we got was, oh my gosh, they're in peril. Ha, <laughs> just kidding, they're saved. That's not that sad to me. It's scary, and we talked about last episode all the emotions in their faces and how Pixar did a great job with it. Yeah. But on a sadness scale, it just doesn't register. Hey, Pixar, go ahead and give us a call for your rewrite of the alternate (laughs) ending to Toy Story 3. Yeah, I know you're listening, so go ahead. Give us us the Toy Story script from the top and we'll make it a better (laughs) franchise. It's fine. We're going to retcon Toy Story 4 (laughs) and Toy Story 5. Everybody check out our Toy Story fanfic. They all die! (laughs) Game of Thrones Toy Story fanfic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to our last Elite Eight matchup. It's Wally losing his memory, which came in at the number 14 seed, versus the number 11 seed, Dory begging Marlin to stay. Oh, Chris. This one's like two of my luck. favorite moments on this bracket. Um,. I don't really know where to begin, so I guess I'll just jump to the end and say I'm going with Wally. Ooh. Um, I think that Dory and Marlin is more effective to me than Coral. So like I think this moment with Dory and Marlin where she's begging him to stay. Yeah. It like it's the it's the better moment in finding Nemo, but it's going up against this Wally moment, which like I have an entirely new appreciation for after rewatching it and talking a lot about it last week. Um, you have this character who like, you know, sacrificed himself for a bunch of people Mm -hmm. who he doesn't even know. And, you know, it lingers on that. Wally is gone. Wally is not coming back thing. Something we didn't touch on is, his collection he's got all of these interesting human things and like his little trash den he's got the light bulb and the rubik's cube and the hello dolly tape and he like without even thinking about it like mashes it up into a cube and it's like dude you have had these things for like centuries and you just like just like that just just like it doesn't even mean Uh. anything to you um you and his you're cockroach like, homies looking at him like what and then are you he, doing? T- and he, he rolls right over him he squishes him 
It's like, dude, like this isn't you, man. Like this is not Wally. It's like a ghost or like a zombie Wally. And that's almost more tragic than if Wally had just like got squished and that was it. It was over while he's gone. It's like seeing this weird possessed version of him is like scary. And if we want to talk about bringing things to the table, my grandfather passed away after a long fight with Alzheimer's. And like, that's kind of what it's like where like you see this person who you've known forever and they're saying things and acting Mm -hmm. in ways that like, that's not the real person. Like it's different. And so, so that's kind of an example where you have something that's effective in itself in the universe of the movie. And it's something you can bring to the table if you've had experiences like that before. So um, I like that it works both ways. Um, I like Eve's involvement in this uh, scenario as well because she was not exactly like open to Wally at first. She was kind of just doing her own thing and like Wally was, I don't know, in denial, but like he was holding hands with like a cocooned Eve. And so um, to see her struggling with this moment um, is really interesting. The thing that's tricky about this is... Uh, Dory has a lot of those things going on for her as well because that's kind of what's at stake for her. She's found this identity and it could all go away if Marlon just keeps swimming Mm -hmm. away. (laughs) And uh, so, like I said, these are two of the better moments on this bracket, but I just have to go with Wally. I don't know. It's kind of a gut thing. Which Yeah. Which is completely fair. Here, I talked a lot about um, Wally last time and and how Eve holding Wally's hand at the end really just sent me over the edge. Didn't get to talk a whole lot about um, Dorian Marlin's situation. Um, this scene comes about right after Marlin and Dory see Nemo playing dead to get flushed in order to get back to the sea to find them. So you're already pained with like screaming at the screen, Marlin, don't give up. Like Nemo's still alive. Don't give don't give this up. That's true. Some dramatic irony. Uh, yeah. And not only does he want to give up like his search for Nemo, he also just wants to give up entirely. And you see that by him just wanting to give up Dory. Dory is who got him to Sydney, Australia. And he, he like definitely knows that he had to let his guard down in order to get through the jellies. He saw what that meant by almost losing Dory. Um, He had so much fun being the carefree person that he wants to be in the East Australian current with the turtles. Like he, he deep down knows that like Dory has influenced his life in a big way. But now he's just in a state of depression over losing his son that he does not care. And to see somebody fall from their the highest high, who is Dory, just all the time, to the lowest low, who is Dory, letting loose all of her insecurities, is devastating for the audience to watch. Right along with like seeing Eve struggle with communicating with a shell of somebody that she knew um and i don't 
I don't think, and it's definitely not this. This moment wasn't Eve's falling in love with Wally or like, no, don't go away. I actually love you. Like that's been. They were a team right before that as well. So it, I'm happy about that. I don't need Wally dying to make Eve realize how much she cares for Wally. You know, but with Dorian Marlin, like her, and you brought this up last episode, like you're home when i see you i'm home i remember things that's like really deep for someone that we know experiences short-term memory loss but also just doesn't quite know her way and doesn't know her purpose to say like i see you i'm at home is like that that's deep for that moment you empathize with dory and you want her to continue to remember and you see all the great things she does when she remembers she got them to australia because she remembers right so this matchup is super hard because like finding nemo has some really deep moments this one being probably the deepest and then wally and eve this is this is the inciting moment right and you finally get the payoff Oh man, Chris. So here, oh boy, I think that I am going to go based on who I empathize with more and just really felt heartbroken for the most. I'm going with Dory uh, Mm. having to beg Marlon. So that means, Kyle, we are going to you to break the tie here between Wally and Dory. So, I am going with, I I tried to put myself for all of these back in the space of watching it for the first time. Yeah. Because I think that's where, like, the ultimate sadness hits. Because you know Dory and Marlon, when you watch Finding Nemo again, you know how the movie ends. Right. And so that moment of them departing loses... A little bit of that kind of kind of punch but what this comes down to for me is we never see even wally in a quote-unquote relationship as we know it between two humans but that's kind of how it's perceived to me so what this comes down to is you lose a friend you get in an argument with a friend and that friend bounces on you versus the idea of so i take my best friend and i think of the idea of him being like hey man i can't be your friend anymore i gotta go versus i walk downstairs and my girlfriend who i've been with for a long time doesn't know me anymore yeah where i walk down and she's sitting there and she goes who are you and that second one hits me in a way that is so devastating And the idea that because she is the person that I love and that I am going to be with for the rest of my life. The idea that she doesn't know who I am, which is where I put Eve in that moment where Wally doesn't know who she is. And like I said, the robot relationship is obviously different, but that's how I'm connecting these two. That's why Wally that's why Wally wins here for me. Because that idea is so much more. And my best friend, if he called me right now and was like, dude, I'm never talking to you again, that would suck. And it would it would hurt me for a long time. It'd be something that stuck with me for my whole life. 
but not in the way that if I walked downstairs right now and my girlfriend just didn't know me and went, get out of the house. Like, who are you? I don't know you. I don't know how I would even begin to cope with that. And so that's why Wally gets a W here. All right. We have Wally not remembering hey, this Eve. is such a sad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sad one, but it's also an insightful one. This is such a fascinating topic to dive into because this is what Pixar does. They yeah. love to build up, tear down, and then build back up. So yeah. we're in our final four. So let's move right into it with the number one, When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2. First, the number five. Uh, Coral's death from Finding Nemo. I haven't gotten a chance to talk about Coral's death, so I'm going to use it this moment to do that. Kyle, you brought up a lot how it's hard to defend this pick because we don't know a lot about Coral. And I, you're right, we don't, because it's the first seven minutes of Finding Nemo. You get to know Coral, and there's not a lot there. But you also do get to know a lot about Coral and marlin right so you understand that like a new life is about to form cor and marlin have just moved into this anemone right so like you know that they're new homeowners essentially in the (laughs) human world they're starting this new life they're about to have kids the future is looking super bright for this couple um they're still in like this honeymoon phase marlin brings up like how they first met and how um essentially he seduced her but also in a really (laughs) weird way like i don't know they got on fish tinder or whatever (laughs) (laughs) um uh they got on catfish plenty of fish oh you son of you son of a (laughs) gosh dang it (laughs) um and then they're not only discussing their current situation, like, look at this house. We're in a great neighborhood. The schools are great. Um, but I can't wait for the future. I can't wait to see the uh, this tree of greatness bear its fruit. So the future is looking super bright for Marlon Cor- and Coral right before tragedy strikes, right? So we also brought up how – or. Kyle, you had said, like, we know Marlon and we know Nemo. And we know their dynamic and who they are. And I think that, like, we know who Coral is based on these seven minutes, based on who Nemo is. Because Coral is very quick to hop into action. She sees the Barracuda, knows what's at stake. She's like, I know what's right. I know what needs to happen. Nemo's like the same way. So like Nemo, when he's in the fish tank, for example, and he fails the first time at trying to stop the filter from running, he takes it upon himself, knowing that he can die, knowing that it's dangerous, but knowing that it's for the betterment of the larger group to make it happen. So you see like sparks of coral in Nemo in that Nemo's stubborn. Nemo is goal-oriented just like coral we got hints of is coral knows what she wants she knows who she wants to name nemo she knows that she needs to protect her family she's gonna take action to make that happen 
You also know that Coral's death affects Marlin because now Marlin's the most cautious freaking human fish thing that's ever existed. He's a right? clownfish. He he's, a, he's a clownfish and a clown. He just doesn't want any sort of variation from the like from what should happen in his life um from the certainty he doesn't want any deviation from certainty in his life at all and that's because he just watched his wife well he didn't watch because little weak boy got knocked out by the barracuda but he (laughs) yeah but uh he he found like broken egg nemo at the bottom and decided to name him nemo and like i'm gonna always protect you so you know that he's gonna be overly cautious watching someone like lose their loved one in this case for all we know their only loved one is pretty it's pretty devastating so i'm happy that i gotta say my piece there because i think that is absolutely awful moving on to uh when she loved me i've gushed enough about it um i think it's obviously it's also very sad abandonment is a terrifying concept um but i think that going through the tragedy of losing a loved one in the act of protecting others that you loved and then also like we didn't even, i didn't even mention it but he lost like hundreds of kids that he was gonna name marlon jr and the other half coral jr and so he loses his wife he finds one egg the music that accompanies that moment is so subtly great for that moment because it's almost like an uplifting tune but in that time it's not it's very somber and then he's like i'm gonna name you nemo i always protect you nemo and then it's like it rises up and the full orchestra comes in and then it's the title that's that that soundtrack alone will just move me to tears because i know what it means it's like It's it's it ah it's so good, Chris. I'm going against what I've said for my entire life, which is when she loved me is the most devastating and sad song and moment in all of Pixar. And I'm moving Carl's death on past that here. Wow. All right, gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about fish biology, fish (laughs) reproduction. Marlin should have been the mom. We know. Fish lay More like Momlin. Fish lay eggs. Okay. Do you realize why fish lay like hundreds of eggs at once instead because of because a egg? gang of them die? Because they get eaten. Okay. Bro, hey, you've eaten fish eggs if you've had sushi. By the way, they sprinkle right. it on top. The little fish. Nemo's right on top of your California roll. They get eaten by the bigger fish. And so, you could make two arguments here. One, I wish you could see how Chris is all leaned back right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about Eden. Number one, you got to expect this is coming because you're a fish and bigger fish eat your babies. Like, that's just Stop. part of being a fish. But on the other hand, that's part of being a toy. Like, your kid grows up and it's not going to want to play with you anymore. It's going to want to go... Uh, swipe right on some dudes like that's that's part of being a toy too so that argument cancels out but there is an element of vulnerability in that sequence where 
the fish are growing outside of the mother's womb, which makes them very, very prone to being eaten by a barracuda. So, like, (laughs) when Nemo is... So, when Marlin is holding that precious little zygote Nemo egg, it's like, this is a precious life. And so... Like, yes, it is that, like, inciting incident death, and there's not a whole lot behind it. I agree with you, Kyle Skinner, that there is enough behind it, I think. Um, But this is not an entirely empty death here. There's, like, we've talked about events with ripples and traumas that affect the characters for the rest of time, and, like, this is one of those things. Um... I think this is a very human situation and it's relatable and it's full of emotion. And I see an opportunity to take down a number one seed here. And I think that that's, what's going to happen. I'm going with Coral's death over when she loved me, which I have voted against in the first round should have lost in the first, but I have uh, Coral's death going to the finals, um, which means Kyle, Matson, you're not going to get to vote, but how do you feel about the number one seed falling here? Okay, so because this week I've gotten my pre-drank on <laughs> and my my sugar rush is really kicking in, I have questions. Please. Uh, first, an observation. I love that Chris's reaction to these devastating uh, Pixar moments is, Life happens. Sometimes <laughs> fish get eaten. <laughs> <Sure does. laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'm going to start at the bottom here. I have three points written down. I'm going to start at the... Now start at the top. Is anemone the hardest word to say in the English language? When you've been drinking a spoonful of sugar, yes, it is. An- anemone. Like, it's easy anemone. if you really try... But I, I feel like as a, as a small child, I've tried to say anemone a lot. Anemone. And, and it always comes out wrong. Uh, do you guys know what Nemo is? Or Point Nemo? Point Nemo. No. Yeah, it's the spot of the ocean that's the furthest from land. So it, there's like a point in the ocean that is the f- furthest point of water. And Earth is 70% water or 72 or whatever it is. But it's the furthest away from any land mass. So, like, one of my, like, anxieties is being stuck in Point Nemo and just not being anywhere close to anything. Anyways, uh, Finding Nemo. Do you think that title is because of Marlin having to go find Nemo or Marlin finding Nemo at the beginning? Yeah, I am... Any adventure movie, the journey is the reward like the treasure is not the reward it's all about the journey it's the friends you make along the way you know so (laughs) i inter i have always interpreted finding nemo not as like the goal of the movie is to find nemo it's the movie is about the adventure along the way to find nemo okay so it's not about the beginning where he's where he found nemo no I guess then it would be movies. You know, movies are pieces of art, and if that's how you interpret it, like that's valid. Like I'd never thought of it until a bottle of wine and this. <laughs> that's so, valid, man. or my whiny the poo. Um, 
So I had Andy's toys being given away as as the winner going into this round. So I have it moving on over Coral's death. If you are going to move Coral's death to this round and match it up against Jesse, ultimately there's no death in in the Jesse Emily arc. They just kind of move on from each other. And that to me, I'm I'm internalizing that as a breakup versus a death. And I can get over a breakup way easier than I can get over because death is final. That's permanent. That's over. That's done. And unless you're Chewbacca, unless it's Chewbacca, (laughs) right? In which case he dies. And then uh, just kidding. He's not, Uh, which was a terrible choice. It doesn't matter. So um, (laughs) no one's ever really gone. (laughs) So uh, and like, uh, it's Pixar, not Star Wars. Go away. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I, 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 I can track the logic of pushing Coral. I stick by my statement. I believe it was last podcast where I said that that I don't know anything about Coral. And I therefore her death doesn't impact me as much as, as uh, Andy's toys being given away does. But in this moment where Jesse, she survives, Emily survives. They just go on to live their separate lives because Emily outgrew Jesse, which is what's supposed to happen in the toy kid relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coral dying by Barracuda was not supposed to happen. So uh, I, I, I can rock with Coral dying being the, being the pick. All right, so Coral's death will advance to the finals. Who will it Congratulations, Marlon. Your dead wife is on to the... <laughs> Final, uh, onto the championship. So let's hop over to the other side of the bracket where we have Ellie's death, the number two seed, going up against the number 14 seed. Wally getting squished and later losing his memory and becoming a zombie robot. Um, (laughs) I don't mean to put it like that to undermine the moment. It is very, very emotional. Um, I guess let's go ahead and start with Ellie's death. As we've pointed out before, this is kind of at the beginning of the movie. Wally's death happens at the end. And as far as I can see here, uh, this Wally death moment is the only all is lost moment that made it to the final four. Um, And I think that that is a big deal. Like the all is lost moment is supposed to be the saddest moment in a movie. And in the case of Ellie dying, all is not lost. It's just begun, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Carl's best days are ahead of him, as we find out in the movie Up, that he ends up going on this adventure, and he's able to put that death behind him. Yes, it's tragic. Yes, they do a good job setting it up. Love the sequence. Nailed it perfectly, but it feels a lot like When She Loved Me, where it's like contextually within like the importance of the movie, it's not all leading up to that. You know, uh, I, I like that the Wally stuff, there's just so much behind it and it's just so meaningful. So I'm going with Wally. <laughs> just like that. Just like that, man. I mean, we, we've talked about this for three hours now. I've said all I can say about this. Uh, uh, yeah, this is this is tough for me. 
only because it deals with like formation of relationships both of them when you put them side by side it's basically the same story except you have wally being resurrected at the end of that scene right so it's here's how the choice comes down chris it's that i don't think in up so in up you're devastated that carl had to go through this moment of life in which he grew old with somebody they went through all of these issues they came out on the other end they loved each other until the very end and it sucks death sucks death to loved ones to your partners is completely tragic what makes wally's memory erasure so sad is that you've spent an hour and 15 minutes of this journey with them and you've seen how they've come together and you've seen who wally is you know who wally is wally has only the best of intentions in him he keeps a cockroach as a pet for heaven's sake right he looks after the cockroach he wants the cockroach to do well he sees eve immediately falls in love with her and is just wants to help her he knows that eve needs this plant doesn't know why but make sure that she has it like wants to be her sidekick wants to be her partner and to see that come to an end and maybe not come back it's one thing if like he got crushed he went to that um robot refurbishment plant on the ship and then came back and wally was back but to make us also go through him like completely not remembering Eve is like rude, Pixar. How dare you make us also go through that? Like it just taps into like the human psyche of like having something taken away from you and then also experience that void. While Wally ends with a happy moment ellie's death doesn't but also does because carl gets to go on this adventure in memory of ellie and gets to see the things and we learn that it's like he does it for her um wally's memory erasure is moving on here for me as well chris let's go i know wow this is unbelievable ellie disrespect it's it's disrespectful that she didn't make it to the final but also like we just you just fall in love with wally and you get further proof that wally losing his memory was horribly (laughs) underseated no yeah absolutely absolutely so kyle obviously you have some thoughts go ahead and lay them down yeah these people mad about the (laughs) magic kingdom castle painting need to figure their lives out yeah because you guys make a bevy of good points that I I cannot argue with. Wally losing his memory was the saddest point of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not sure Ellie dying was the saddest part of Up, because when when Carl gives Russell the grape soda pin at the end of Up, like that was the moment that really like broke me all the way. 
That's the and redemption arc that I was talking about. That's not sad. That's not sad though. Like, right, that's but like that that generated hopeful. tears though. Yeah, yeah, but like, that's not it's not the most emotionally charged Pixar moment. It's the saddest Pixar moment. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So I that's that's a little bit why I'm I'm cool with the Wally and Eve moving on because when you talk about kind of in the moment, like I, I I'm trying to place myself back in the moment the first time I watched it. And when Ellie dies, you know there's a whole movie ahead. And you've watched yeah. the trailer. You know Russell comes in. You know the dogs come in. And there's comic relief. And there's things to get you kind of over the hump of that moment. And then they, they punch you in the chest again with the watching the cars go by, eating ice cream in the, in the great soda pin. Right. Whereas Wally losing his memory, that's so close to the end of the movie that it's realistic where he never remembers Eve. And they just kind of go their separate ways with Eve performing her job and Wally performing his, and that is what what it is. So I'm I'm cool with that because I I really think that that Wally losing his memory should have probably been like a like a four or five seed. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's in the final as a fourteen seed is not super surprising. I think it was just underseeded. Uh, I like I said I don't want to disrespect Up as a movie or Ellie dying because that that moment at the beginning of the movie was so unexpected and so emotional that that it sticks with you. But if you go back to when you first saw these movies for the first time, there's there's a a devastation of Wally forgetting Eve and Eve just trying to get that get that spark back one last time uh, that that is so hopeless that I, I don't think you get with the timing of Ellie's death. So I would probably personally move Ellie on here, but um, I, 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 I have a hard time arguing against Wally. Chris, uh, we've made it. We got the final two here. We it's crazy. Here. We have the number five, Carl's death from Finding Nemo versus the number 14, Wally's memory erasure. And Chris, I will tell you and I'll tell Kyle and I'll tell the audience that in recent memory, I mean, we've had a lot of number ones win in recent brackets. And to have uh, a five versus 14 is a little not like us, but I'm stoked to hop right in so i think these are two similar moments in a lot of ways both of these moments deal with self-sacrifice coral trying to fight off the barracuda to save her eggs and wally saving the axiom and both characters having to deal with the fallout of that and their loved ones having to deal with the fallout of that um one takes place at the beginning. One takes place at the end. I don't know how to even argue that at this point. But the way I'm kind of looking at this is, would I rather lose somebody suddenly or slowly? And I have lost people in my life suddenly, and I have lost them slowly. And in my opinion, it's more healthy to lose someone quickly because the sooner you lose someone the sooner you can like come to terms and be at peace 
with them being gone and be able to use them as a source of strength and inspiration in your life and feel like you have that person at your back spiritually with you at all times. Having someone that's still on this earth that is a shell of themselves is in some ways more difficult to like navigate because it's like this person is not gone, but they are gone. And I just like, we're delaying the inevitable here. And like, I can't grieve for this person yet. And so if I'm using that as like a, a compass for this, definitely the Wally moment. Uh, but you could also make the argument that this coral moment is permanent. Yeah. And the Wally moment is solved and Wally doesn't end up losing his memory. Uh, so with Coral's death, we as audience members have to live with that forever. Yeah. Like yeah. she's, she's gone and um, Wally comes back. So there's certainly some good evidence, some good arguments for both of these. So I just have to go with my gut here and say Wally losing his memory is the sadder moment and the saddest Pixar moment. What you see with uh, Coral and Marlin is that you know that they work very well together as a team. And you see that Marlin is very easily excitable. Coral's a lot more down to earth. Even just in that very minute, like, interaction that they have at the very beginning of finding Nemo. You understand that dynamic of that relationship. Um, so to have Coral leave, you also understand what that means to Marlin. Mar they balanced each other so well that how will Marlin function without Coral? Because they formed this bond that they were such great teammates and to see her gone, like you're just devastated for Marlin. Um, with Wally and Eve, you brought up a great point of like, you have to, like, it's the long game and it hurts. That long game is very sad to see wally forget her and then forget her for a very extended period of time it's not like brave where like instantly mom's back from being a grizzly and it's not like toy story 3 where instantly the claw shows up like you're stuck in wally not remembering eve for minutes which is an eternity in this movie time um i think like what makes the saddest moment is like I think what makes the saddest moment is a culmination of like also just what you've learned and what you've gathered throughout the entire experience and here Chris I'm agreeing with you you go on a journey with Wally and Eve for this entire movie to see it end up like this and even if Wally was crushed and brought to the repair shop and brought back together it would not have been nearly as sad as watching Eve's heartbreak for an extended amount of time, just like Wally's heart broke when Eve went into a cocoon of herself. And that was hard to deal with, but then spend an hour 
plus with them and then see it again and you're just like god this sucks so bad because we just wanted them to work out with finding nemo there's hope at least that this is gonna get better it's sad it's very sad the music that accompanies it is devastating to me i think it's very sad it makes me tear up every time i see it but like the feelings that i get with like not recognizing your loved one or even kyle brought up like if i go downstairs and my significant other doesn't recognize me and they're just not even there like that's so sad and i'm with you chris saddest moment of Pixar and the winner of our saddest moment bracket is Wally's memory erasure and his interactions with Eve. And like we do with every bracket, we're gonna clap it out for a little bit. We gotta clap it out for the winner. <laughs> Kyle, uh, I don't know what you expected out of episode two, but was Wally's memory erasure being the winner what you even imagined? No, but I, I wanna go back to my my point I made last episode that this was a criminally underrated Pixar sad moment. Yeah. As the 14 seed, it probably could have been a top four seed or so. So did it redeem itself by like winning? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so because I think everything you guys said about about like if you're going to lose a loved one rapidly versus over a period of time. I, I think that losing a loved one rapidly followed by losing a loved one over a period of time followed then by losing a loved one but then having to watch them exist in the world without you yeah that is something that I don't I don't even register that emotionally because it's something that my brain can't concoct a level of sadness for sure like it's it's like a breakup where you don't get the closure of like yeah things were probably bad and we probably shouldn't be together anyways it's a it's like a it's like a divorce or a separation where you don't have any say in it like that person just forgets you and you still have all those emotions towards them i don't understand how to begin to cope with that emotionally i've lost loved ones and it's awful it's something that I'm obviously going to experience, but I want to push off and kick that can down the road as far as possible. Whereas losing a loved one where they continue to go about their life without me, I, that is devastating. And it's something that I I had this one going out pretty early. Uh, I mentioned it a week ago where I'm very biased towards Coco because it's one of my favorite movies, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I have no problem with this one winning because the emotion felt in that moment is impossible to recollect in in a in a person's mind that hasn't gone through that before. So um, it wasn't my first choice. It wasn't the moment that made me cry the hardest. I don't even think I cried necessarily when this moment happened in the movie. But in your guys' explanations, um, there was a, a level of devastation and hopelessness that i felt that i I don't think you really get from from anything else on this list so um it wasn't my first pick but i i i don't have any good rebuttals to it being the winner 
Well, I'm certainly happy that we get Wally in the Mouse Madness Hall of Fame. Yeah, for real. <laughs> about we time. Were, we were about to have three Finding Nemos in there for a second. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, Wally is just a really underrated Pixar movie. And, like, I think that's right. And I think Up was the movie where, like, the general population was like, Pixar is a juggernaut. It's like Frozen. Wally is to Up as Tangled is to Frozen. <laughs> okay, like, yeah. Wally walked so Up could run. <laughs> Tangled walked so Frozen could run. So, you know, I don't, I don't see you know just casuals talking much about wally but it's a great movie well folks we've reached the end of the bracket we hope you didn't cry too hard we can't wait to get into more fun stuff like this thank you of course to kyle madsen for joining us for this bracket we had a great time with you man yeah thanks dude this was um i was expecting it to be fun and then the topic came in and it was even more fun than I was expecting, despite the fact that it was a topic that was going to stomp on my heart. <laughs> Which I think speaks volumes of you guys. <laughs> well, we appreciate you hopping into that world with us, because this was a different thing that we've ever done on this podcast, and it was it was a great discussion, so we appreciate it. You know how to reach us. You can send us a tweet. You can Twitter us, at MouseMadnessPod. You can send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Join our Discord server, which is linked in the episode description. And join our Facebook community. We are steadily growing on Facebook. Would love to have you. Until next bracket, take care, and we will see you next time.